Welcome to the Science Update Podcast. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is the podcast for September 27th, 2013. The Science Update Podcast is produced by AAAS, advancing science, serving society. This week, could spider venom be the next insecticide? Why mosquitoes smell you better at night? And debunking the myth of extracting dinosaur DNA from insects preserved in amber. But first, Science Update correspondent Justin Warner tells us about insect legs that bear an uncanny resemblance to modern machinery. Humans have been building gears into machines since ancient times, but insects called plant hoppers may have developed gears long before us. Two British researchers, Malcolm Burroughs and Gregory Sutton, recently found that immature plant hoppers, or nymphs, have toothed gears built into their hind legs. Burroughs, a neurobiologist at the University of Cambridge, said the gears look and function just like the man-made kind. And indeed, there's nothing like it being reported in animals at all. It's never been thought that it's something that animals ever use. So this is quite a surprising finding that they're actually using these gears for a particular function. Specifically, the gears synchronize the nymph's hind legs, which maximizes their jumping power. That's because the legs are arranged underneath the body. And that in turn means that as they extend to propel the jump, some of the force that they exert will be a sideways force in addition to the backwards force. So if if one of the legs moves first, it will impart a movement to one side and will start to make the body spin rapidly. And that means they'll lose a lot of energy in doing so. To find out just how well the gears worked, Burroughs and Sutton filmed the nymphs at 30,000 frames per second. We could see that the time difference between the movements of the two leg was very, very small indeed. 30 microseconds, that's 30 millionths of a second. In fact, one reason it's so well coordinated is that it bypasses the bug's nervous system, which would be comparatively slow. As to what we can learn from this, probably not much about gear-making at this point. However, Burroughs was struck by how closely humans have unintentionally copied nature in our own invention of gears. Thanks, Justin. Next, you're more vulnerable to mosquito bites at certain times of the day. Now, researchers think this could be due in part to changes in the insect's sense of smell. Suzanne Bard has the story. At nighttime, mosquitoes amp up their sense of smell by cranking out more odor-sensitive proteins. This according to biologists at the University of Notre Dame's Eck Institute for Global Health, including Zain Syed, Giles Duffield, and Samuel Rund. Rund says they collected mosquito antennae every four hours and compared the proteins they produced at different times. And we found that many of them, and especially the OVPs, other binding proteins, had levels higher at night than when the mosquito is flying around and host-seeking than during the day when they're mostly just resting. The researchers think this probably lets the mosquitoes optimize their body's resources. Other work suggests that artificial light may not only mute their sense of smell, but make them less interested in feeding. This could lead to a light-based strategy to control mosquito-borne diseases. Thanks, Suzanne. Ecosystems can change dramatically before it's obvious to people. To spot changes early on, researchers sometimes painstakingly trap and monitor a few local species. Now, researchers like tropical ecologist Douglas Yu at the University of East Anglia in England are developing a quick and dirty alternative. They collect thousands of bugs in a particular location, blend them into a soupy mixture, and extract telltale bits of DNA from the soup. 
Yu says that's not only faster and cheaper, but also relatively hands-off and automated. It could be a sort of standard, regular thing like water sampling, water quality sampling, which is what you need to run these kinds of things generally in society. He says the technique can even track bits of DNA from plants or larger animals, which can be left, for example, in the surrounding soil or in the bodies of insects that bite them. Speaking of DNA, you remember in the movie Jurassic Park where they cloned dinosaurs from DNA that was supposedly found in mosquitoes trapped in amber? Using sophisticated techniques, they extract the preserved blood from the mosquito and, bingo, dino DNA. And now, we can make a baby dinosaur. Sounds pretty far-fetched. But in the early 90s, some scientists reported that they had extracted DNA from 130-million-year-old insects in amber. Well, University of Manchester scientists, wearing the kind of forensic suits used at crime scenes and using up-to-date DNA sequencing technology in an isolated laboratory, have finally debunked these claims. Turns out, the DNA amplification techniques used in the 90s were prone to making lots of copies of contaminated DNA. So-called next-generation sequencing techniques used today minimize the problem of contamination. Paleobiologist David Penny and his colleagues reported in the journal PLOS One that they were unable to detect DNA from partially fossilized insects preserved in copal, which is the precursor of amber. The copal was less than 11,000 years old, so they concluded that the chance of DNA surviving in amber that's millions of years old is vanishingly slim. So a Jurassic Park-like scenario will have to remain a science fiction. Thanks for that reality check, Suzanne. In other news, in the journal PLOS One this week, Australian researchers report that they've isolated a protein from tarantulas that's deadly to insects even when eaten. Of course, it was already known that spider venom is lethal to most insects, but until now it hasn't been considered a practical insecticide because it worked only if injected. The scientists hope to use the newly discovered protein as a novel bioinsecticide. Well, that's our show for this week. Next week, a condition called synesthesia is rare in adults, but could be ubiquitous in babies. And are cavities in young children a problem, since their baby teeth are going to fall out anyway? Until then, tune into the Science Update Podcast Daily Edition every day, Monday through Friday. You can find it on our website, scienceupdate.com, or at iTunes. You can also check out Science Update's fan page on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. And if you have a science question, give us a call at 1-800-WHY-IS-IT. If we use your question, we'll send you a Science Update mug. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society. (laughs) 